Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. Chapter 24, verse 14, please. Now therefore, fear the Lord, and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seemed evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And can you get amen out of that? Yes, sir. Verse 16, the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, He is uh, He it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and which did great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people even the Amorites and that dwelt in the land. Therefore we will also serve the Lord for He is our God. And Joshua said to the people, Ye cannot serve the Lord for He is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sin. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then He will turn and do you hurt and consume you. After that, He hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves. that ye have chosen the Lord to serve Him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore, put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, just for another day you've given us. Lord, a lot of people went to bed last night and didn't get up this morning. Death came in the night. And Lord, you've given us another day to live. And Lord, not just another day of life, but another day to live for you and try to honor you with our life. And I thank you for that. Thank you for the traveling mercy you gave us on the road today. Thank you for the hospitality and the kindness of this church that have already showed to me, Lord, I've, I've not been treated any better anywhere, and I thank you for that. Thank you for the good congregational music tonight, the good spirit. Thank you for these dear folks who have worked hard today. They've been at school. Lord, I know they've had a busy day. I know they're tired in body, and I pray, God, that you would refresh our spirits and refresh our souls tonight through your word. I do pray for this one here tonight that's lost. I pray you'd save them. But Lord, we're here for revival. We're here for you to work in our hearts, those of us that are saved. And I pray from the pulpit to the pew, God, that you would do an eternal work that only you can get the glory for. And what you do, we'll thank you. We'll give you glory for it. Lord, please bless, protect my family and my church while I'm away tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Of course, you're familiar with Joshua 24, and particularly verse number 15. Most of us uh, probably have some kind of decoration that our wife bought at Kirkland's or Hobby Lobby uh, that says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that is a wonderful adage, and that should be the desire of every home here tonight. By the way, it was Joshua who stood up, and men, it ought to be us making the decision and saying, You know what? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But I want to deal with some of the context of this chapter tonight, if you'll allow me to. We 
we know this chapter has been called Joshua's Farewell Address. In fact, if you like fundamental Baptist history, the last message that Dr. Harold B. Siler ever preached before he went to heaven, he preached on Joshua's Farewell Address out of Joshua 24. I wonder if the man of God knew he was getting ready to go home and God let him preach Joshua's Farewell Address. Amen. But Joshua has gathered the people together in verse number 1 and he begins to give them a history lesson of all that God had done for them. And I want to remind you, it is good for us to look back every once in a while and remember what God has done for us. I believe that Brother Sam preached yesterday morning on beware lest thou forget the Lord. And if we're not careful, we'll get spiritual dementia, if you would, and I'm not being critical of that disease, but we'll begin to forget how good God's been to us and how gracious He's been. And Joshua did not want the people to forget what God had done for them. Remember, this is another generation. This was a generation they were most likely, most of them were children in the land of Egypt. They were under the age of 20. We know because of their parents rebelled against God and they died there in the wilderness. And after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the word of the Lord came to Joshua and gave the commandments to cross the Jordan River. And the book of Joshua teaches us of how God took care of his people. And Joshua would remind this next generation, you ain't always been here. It ain't always been like this. There was a day that you were in bondage. He reminds them in verses 5 through 7 about the salvation that they encountered. He said, I want to remind you that your fathers, and even some of you were bondmen in Egypt. You were under the Egyptian taskmasters, Pharaoh, who was a type of the devil. And Egypt, but as a type of the world, had you in bondage, and you couldn't get out on your own. And they cried unto the Lord. And God sent a man by the name of Moses. And when Moses walked in, we know all about the plagues. Boy, I love about Moses. He had a message about a lamb. He said that death was going to be coming through Egypt that night. But if they would slay the lamb, and if they would put that blood on the doorpost, on the top and on both sides, the Lord said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And aren't you glad for the day when you got washed in the blood of the Lamb of God? Death was a coming down the church pew, if you would. You were going to die and go to hell for eternity. But you heard a message about the Lord, and you heard a message about the Lamb, and you realized that it's not worth living for the devil, and it's not worth going that direction. And you got born again and saved by the grace of God. Hey, y'all remember that? I appreciate what the pastor said. Not everybody remembers the exact date when they got saved, but y'all remember the day that you got saved. Amen. That day when you came to Christ. By the way, if you ever came to Christ, thank God He took you. He said, all them that come to me, will I know him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Honey, there's never been one sinner that come to Calvary that Jesus turned away. I preached yesterday morning on the Apostle Paul in Galatians 1 where he said they had only heard that they, he had, which had persecuted the church, now preacheth the faith which he destroyed. And we learned that lesson that if God can save Paul, the chiefest of sinners, there's nobody that he can't save. There's nobody who's gone too far. And Joshua reminds the people about the salvation that they encountered. Do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember when you got born again? It's not a sensational experience. It is by faith. Amen. The Bible said, for by grace are you saved through faith. And not of yourselves. It is 
the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in that heart that God hath raised him from the dead, that's the gospel, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, that's on the inside. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, God always works from the inside out. You ever heard somebody say, Preacher, I believe I got saved when I stepped out of that pew. You know why they say that? Because they got saved when they stepped out of that pew, when they got tired of their religion, when they got tired of their sin, when they got tired of going that direction. They dropped the pail, jumped the rail, and hit the trail. And they came to Jesus, and he took them. And Joshua said, I want to remind you, you ain't always been in Canaan land. Oh, you might be in church tonight. You might have been raised in church all your life. But somewhere down that family tree, there was a time when your family wasn't saved. I know the, I know the Caldwell family has a rich history of, of uh, preachers and singers, but I know there was a time when, when there, well, all the Caldwells wasn't in church. But look what God's done. And, and in your family, whatever your testimony is, your family might have been raised in church, but there might have been a time when it wasn't that way. I want to thank God for a Saturday morning in 1972 when a bus worker came by my grandparents' house on Denham Street in R Riverdale, Georgia, and knocked on the door and picked up my uncle and took him to church. And my uncle got born again that Sunday morning. And the next Sunday, my grandparents loaded up their boys, two twin boys in the back seat, about three years old. And they went to church and the preacher preached. And my grandpa got under conviction. He had been saved as a teenager but got away from God. And he went down the altar and he got right with God. And my grandma got right with God. And they got in church. You know who one of them three-year-old boys in the back seat was? It was my daddy. Amen. And there ain't been a day in the Montgomery household that we've not been in church. But every once in a while, it's good to look back and remember the salvation that we encountered. Right. Verses 8 through 12, he reminds them of the success that they experienced. If we were to read all these verses tonight, he talks about the battles they won. Hey, there were battles after they got out of Egypt. You know, they, and the Bible says, then came Amalek. And after you get saved, you flesh is going to rise up against you. But if you'll just look back, by the way, you know how he got victory over the flesh? They looked up at the top of the hill and there sat a man with his hands raised with a witness on each side. Right. Up on the mountain. And they were, you know how you get victory? Just look to Calvary, that one who suffered, who is interceding on behalf of the people. Thank God there's victory. He reminds them of how when they crossed the Jordan River, how they went by Jericho and Ai and all those victories that God gave them. Hey, look back in your life after God saved you. How there were things in Red Seas and mountains and battles in your path and you didn't see no way only for the great God of heaven to come down your direction and help you and meet your need and fight your battles for you. Right. Amen. He reminds them of the supply that they enjoyed. Verses, verse number 13, I'll read this. And have I I've given you a land which you did not labor? He said, this land you got, you didn't work for it. And the cities which you built not, and you dwell in them, and of the vineyards and of the olive yards which you planted, not, uh, not uh, that which you planted not, do you eat? In other words, he's saying you're reaping from fields you've never sown from. You're enjoying blessings uh, that you had nothing to do with. You know, God said, you know how you got that? I gave it to you. And aren't you glad you can look back in your life and see where God has blessed you, uh, where God has met your need, uh, where God has answered your prayer where God has done the impossible and God has done the amazing. Right, I was thinking coming down the road today 
back uh, uh, back in the early spring. Uh, we, we, I got I got three children. Daxton, he's eight. He'll be nine in December. Sattler, he's six. And then back January the fourth, we finally got our little girl, and we are done. Somebody say Amen there. And uh, little, uh, we, my oldest boy, his name's Daxton Mays after Mays Jackson, and my middle boy, his name is Sattler Knox after Doctor Sattler, and my little girl, her name is Joyce Myers. And uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, all right. Just making sure you're awake, okay? Uh, no, her name is Judah Rain, amen? And, and so, little Judah, she's on that formula, and, and thanks to our current administration, we had a formula shortage. There is a Chex Mix shortage now. I can't find no Chex Mix anywhere. It's crazy, man. And so, but this, this is a little more important than Chex Mix. We couldn't find any formula from a little girl. We had about a half a can uh, of formula left, and, and I don't mean this wrong, and I'm not trying to sell, uh, trying to sound super spiritual, but I prayed. I said, God, uh, this is not a want. It's not like wanting a new golf set of golf clubs. This ain't wanting a bass boat. This ain't wanting a new gun or ammunition. This is a need. And we were riding down. Uh, we were heading down to Florida for vacation. We were stopping at stores left and right, trying to find that specific formula my little girl needed. And, and I'm trying to find that. And finally, we're riding down the road, and I'm just praying to the Lord. And I said, Lord, you said in your word, but my God shall supply all your need according to his rich and glory by Christ Jesus. Lord, I tithe. I, now, you may not talk to the Lord like this, but I, I did. You pray for me. I said, Lord, I tithe, and I give to missions, and I try to be good to be good to God's people. I'm trying to be faithful to be a pastor and try to preach these meetings. And my little girl, she's got to have this. She's got to have this formula. And so we stopped about halfway down in, in, in the Grange, Georgia, where my grandma lives, to visit her for a little bit. We decided to take her to supper. And so we ate supper that night, and there was a Target right next to the restaurant. I said, I'm going to go in that Target and see if they got any formula. It's not a super Target. It's just a little hole-in-the-wall target. I walked in that target. I don't care if you believe it or not. There was one can of formula on that shelf, and I'll give you one guess. It was the exact formula my little girl needed. You, somebody said, Preacher, that formula would have been there anyway. I don't even believe that formula was on the shelf when I walked in the door. I believe God just made it appear. So I said, I don't believe that. Honey, he rained manna down from heaven. He sent water from a rock, and aren't you glad he's able? You ought to look back in your life. It may not have been formula. Formula, but you might have had a bill due, and all of a sudden, you know how he's going to pay it. And all of a sudden, from out of nowhere, God sent a little extra money in. A little insurance check came back in. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it or anything, but it was just God being good to you. Amen. Hallelujah. And Joshua said, I want to remind you, God been good to y'all. I don't know all y'all, but you know what I can tell y'all? God been good to this crowd. Don't know us a lot. We're starving. Most of us had to figure out what vehicle he's going to drive tonight. We had to figure out what outfit we was going to wear. We, if we didn't eat before service, it wasn't because we didn't have the money to. It's just because we're planning on doing the Christian nightclub thing and eating after church. <laughs> Amen. Hey, well, hey, we, we've been blessed tonight. Amen. We ought to remember that. Amen. He reminds them of salvation they encountered and the, the, the success they, they experienced and the supply they enjoyed. I preached all that to get to our text. Don't worry. I I'm a 30-minute preacher. I'm 15 minutes in. All right. He deals with the sin that they embraced. Yeah. He looks at this crowd and says, you've been brought out of Egypt. You've enjoyed some victory. You've enjoyed God raining manna down from heaven and giving you water from a rock. You've been enjoying that. But you better make a decision today. Look at verse number 14, please. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. 
and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. Watch this phrase. And put away the gods, little g and plural. We know there's one God, and he ain't a little g. Amen? The gods which your father served on the other side of the flood, watch this now, and in Egypt. Look down at verse number 23. Now therefore, put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you. Now if I'm reading those two verses correct, Pastor, that tells me that when they walked out of Egypt that night in Exodus 14, they had some of Egypt's gods with them. Right. And not just that, Pastor, but for over 40 years, wandering in the wilderness, they're carrying them false gods around. Right. How many of y'all has ever seen the TV show Hoarders? How many of you know somebody that's a hoarder? How many of you are sitting next to somebody? No, I'm not going to do that. All right. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. A nice word for hoarder. A hoarder is a nice word for junk collector. All right. Amen. Boy, we're going to have revival or a ride one. Amen. I watch that stuff, and they'll find dead cats under 400 years of newspapers. How do you lose a cat? <laughs> You know why them people, and they're crazy. I laugh at those people. Somebody said, ain't that horrible? I, have them people, I, I laugh at these people. are crazy. <laughs> crazy. You know what they'll say? I just can't get rid of that. And I ain't talking about like something mean something. I'm just talking about trash. <laughs> Junk. Right. A Chick-fil-A cup from 1992. Who cares? <laughs> but you know why them people won't get rid of it? They, they say they're attached to it. <laughs> I want to preach on this thought for just a few minutes tonight. What you holding on to? Amen. Because for all those years after they come out of Egypt, they're carrying gods around. Right. And they, I mean, they, they know that the idols didn't get them out of Egypt. They know that the idols ain't raining manna down from heaven. They're enjoying all these blessings, but they're carrying these idols around. They're carrying these things. They're just holding on to them. You know why those people hold on to those things? It has a part of their heart. Right. Amen. And the Lord, through Joshua, says, put away the gods. Yes. Notice, if you're going to put on, what are you holding on to? You know, may I remind you, the Bible said we're to lay aside every weight and the sin which just so easy beset us. Four things quickly, four principles. Number one, there must be a consideration. Look at verse 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord. That's an interesting phrase. If we're not careful, sometimes that phrase gets overlooked as for me in my house. But that's the, first, that's the same verse. Yeah. He said, um, you're holding on to that stuff, and if you think it's evil to serve the Lord, he said, I want you. He said you need to consider, you need to compare. Right. May I encourage you tonight, what, and I'm not going, I don't have to name what you're holding on to, because the Lord's already put his finger on it. If he's, doing, if he's done what you're doing with you like he did with me. Sure. He's putting his finger on what you're holding on to. And I ain't talking about some little booty you're carrying around in your pocket. It could be greed, envy, strife, jealousy, bitterness, unforgiveness, hurt feelings, a habit, amen. It could be a number of things. What are you holding on to? What is that sin? What has that sin done for you? Has it brought you peace? Has it brought you purity? 
Has it made you spiritual? Has it caused you to be a better Bible reader? Has it helped your prayer life? Has it encouraged your walk with God? Has it been used to edify the body of Christ? Has it brought glory to God? Has it added to the local church in a positive way? Has it drawn you close to the Lord? Has it, I'm talking about evaluate whatever you're holding on to. Ask yourself these questions. Has it improved your testimony? Has it helped your family? Has it made you a better husband, a better wife, a better parent, a better young person? Has it made you more faithful to church? Has it made your heart more tender to the things of God? Has it given you victory? Is it pleasing to the Lord? You compare whatever you're holding on to, compare it to the Lord. Compare it to His affection, how much He loves you. Compare it to His ability, what He can do for you. Compare it to His availability, how at any time you can call on Him in prayer. And he'll answer. Consider his assurance. Consider his affliction on the cross. His atonement, the blood that he shed. His accomplishment that he rose again. Consider him. Ain't it interesting in Hebrews 12, 1, 2, and 3? Wherefore, seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Looking unto Jesus, the author of the finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised and shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him right. who endured such contradiction of sinners that should be faint, weird and faint in your minds. And so, in the context of laying things aside and laying away sin and weights, you're supposed to be considering him. Right. Here's what Joshua said in this text. Joshua knew they had them idols out there. He said, you think it's evil to serve the Lord? Whatever you're holding on to, compare it to the Lord. There must be consideration. Secondly, there must be a choice. Look at verse 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And you see, Joshua's dealing with it. Ain't it funny how the preacher just always seems to know, but he didn't know that he knew, but he just preached and God gave it to him? <laughs> Whether the gods which your fathers served, which were on the other side of the flood, or the god of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Joshua went ahead and dealt with it. He said, you're going to serve him gods on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell? Must be a choice. It's a personal choice to choose you. Right. I can't choose for Pastor Lawson. He can't choose for Brother Michael. He can't choose for Brother Caldwell Singer. <laughs> Amen. Brother. Amen. He can't. It's a personal choice. Choose you. Personal choice. It's a prompted choice. This day. We're good. You know what we're good about doing? I'll deal with that tomorrow night. Or I'll deal with that Sunday. Or I'll deal with that next revival meeting. Or I'll deal with that uh, next. No. Choose you this day. Right. It's practical whom you will serve. The word serve there indicates a servant, which indicates there is a master. Right. The word master means a man who rules, governs, or directs men. Jesus will tell us no man can serve two masters. Right. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Right. The Bible said in Romans 6, 13, Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness and of sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those who are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness of God. There must be a consideration. There must be a choice. There must be consecration. Now, we read these verses. I'll mention the outline just quickly. Notice the response. Joshua, who are you going to serve? Verse 16. Look what he said. And the people answered, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. Now, before we look down our nose, how many times have we done that? Right. While we're saying, yeah, he's the only, he means everything to me. And we've got things hid. 
Right. We've done pulled a aching and we got things hidden in our tent. Right. And we got things still in our affection from the Lord. For the Lord our God, He it is that brought us up. They know what He done. They, they mentioned He brought us up. He's done those great wonders. He drave out the before us, verse 18. Uh, he said he, he preserved us all the way we went. They know what God's done. The response, but then notice the rebuke, verse 19. These verses always bother me until I read the context. What's what Joshua said to the people? You cannot serve the Lord. For he is a holy God. Here's the context. He is a jealous God. The context is idolatry and false gods they're holding on to. He said he's a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgression nor your sins. He said he's not going to deal with that hypocrisy. Verse 20, if you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, and he will turn and do you hurt and consume you, after that he hath done you good. There's a response. There's a reaction. Verse 21, the people said, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. Josh said, okay, here's the requirement I'm going to make of you. Verse 22, you are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen, to serve the, chosen the Lord to serve Him. And they said, we are witnesses. Now therefore, now therefore, in light of everything you just said, put away the strange gods which are among you. Watch this phrase. And incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. The word incline there literally means to offer. Is that not what Paul encourages us to do, to present our bodies? Yes, sir. So I said, well, don't say heart. Your heart is a part of your body. Right. Amen. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. One man said about that text, you know what the problem is about a living sacrifice? It keeps crawling off the altar. Right. That's why in Psalm 118, bind the sacrifice with cords to the altar. That altar in the temple had four, four horns on each side, and they would tie those sacrifices up to the altar so it wouldn't run away. You, know what you, you better be bound to the altar. Yes, sir. The songwriter said, right, prone the wonder, Lord, I feel it. Yes, prone the lead, the God I love. There's a commitment. This, verse 25 through 27, I'm going to give you this, give you one illustration, and we're done. Joshua said, okay. We're going to make a covenant. This covenant, this memorial was a sign of accountability of the decision they had made that day to serve the Lord. It involved a few things. First of all, it involved scriptures. Verse 26, and Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. In other words, here's what I wrote down. How many times has God used a verse of scripture to convict you and I of a sin or an area of our life? Many times. Yes. And we get it right. But then in our flesh, we, just, we do good for a little while, and then we slip back into that old habit again. Right. You know what hadn't changed? Sure. The verse that God used to tell you this ain't right. Right. So it's used as a witness against us. Hey, I done told you this ain't right. And you're accountable for truth. Notice the stone in verse 26. And took a great stone and set it there up under the oak. Verse 27, and John said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us. For it, what's it? The stone hath heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. It shall therefore be a witness unto you, lest you deny your God. That's why I said, stones can't talk. Jesus said in Luke 19, if these held their peace, the stones would cry out. Right. You know what a stone is? It doesn't change. It's hard. It's a witness against them. Notice the, notice the sanctuary. They put this by the sanctuary of the Lord. Picture the house of God. Notice the spot and set it up under an oak. Their commitment to serve the Lord was based at the foot of a tree. Right. Amen. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. I'm going to tell you what will help us with our commitments is going back by that tree. Sure. When I say tree, I'm talking about Calvary. Right. And seeing what He done for us, seeing how He suffered for us, and saying, Lord, why would I want anything to steal my affection and my heart and my love for You? Right. Men, uh, tonight, and I'm not going to pick on anybody, 
Well, I'll pick up Brother Michael. He's heard me give this illustration. Brother Michael, do you expect 90% faithfulness from Miss Ashley as your wife? No, we don't want 90%. You expect 99%? No. As when they said their marriage vows, to death do you part 100%. Right. Now, we're the bride of Christ. Sure. He shouldn't get 90%. He shouldn't get 99%. Just as I expect, just as this pastor expects, just as our spouses expect faithfulness from us, the Lord expects faithfulness from us. Does He not, church? Don't He deserve it? You know why I'm faithful to my wife? Number one, she's from Union County. I'm afraid she'd kill me. (laughs) But number two, you know why I'm faithful? Because I love her. Sure. I've been married 10 years. I love my wife. You know, I'll be faithful to the Lord, not because I'm afraid what He'd do to me. But I love Him. Sure. And we love Him because He first loved us. Amen. Brother South Carolina fan in the purple shirt. What's his name? Daniel. Brother Daniel, would you come help me, brother? <laughs> <laughs> Promise you, nobody gets hurt in this illustration but you, okay? <laughs> okay. We're going to let Brother Daniel picture. Is this in memory of anyone? Okay. <laughs> Why don't you hold on to that, okay? It's Brother Daniel. And I'm not, it's not, I'm being serious. You know, you're saved. All right. Serving, you go to church here. All right. So he's saved. And he's going to church here, trying to serve the Lord. And we're praying he gets to a better school, okay? <laughs> we're all growing in the Lord. Amen. You know, when you're holding on to something that hinders you, you know, here's the first thing it'll do it'll, uh, it'll hinder your praise. Brother Danny, would you mind raising your hands and praising the Lord for me? No, no you know, we raise our hands to praise the Lord. We, we lift up hands like this to praise the Lord. You see, he's not able to praise God and worship. You know why? He's holding on to something. Right. You know why some of you, they'll, they'll get to singing, preach, get to preaching, you want to raise your hand, you want to worship God, you want to praise God, but you got something you're holding on to and it's hindering your ability to praise. Amen. You know what else? Uh, Brother, Brother Daniel, I, I know you, you would do anything the pastor asked you to do. And I noticed there's a spot right there. Would you mind getting the vacuum? Now hold on to that. Getting the vacuum and vacuuming that up for me. Do you think you could do that? Probably can't, can you? Why? Holding on to something. It, halt, it halts your uh, progress. Sure. Your productivity. Hard to do anything for God when you're holding on to something. There's a lot of people in church tonight, they're saved, they're out of Egypt, they're enjoying God's blessings, but they have no worship and they ain't doing nothing for God because somebody hurt them. And they're holding on to hurt feelings and bitterness and unforgiveness. Right. I'm not saying you wasn't done wrong, but may I remind you, you've probably done somebody wrong before too. I'm not saying what they've done was right. But it ain't right for you to stay bitter and unforgiving against them. By the way, forgiveness don't mean that you got to be their best friend. Right. Forgiveness ain't for them. It's for you. So you're right with God. Still back there? <laughs> There's a lot of people that are holding on to things. There's a lot of people who won't come to church tonight, preacher, because a preacher hurt them years ago. Not you. Not me. Right. Not Brother Caldwell. But a preacher living 15 states away. Right. And they think they're all the same. You know what they're doing? They're holding on. Sure. Some of you had a loved one that was sick. And you prayed. And you asked God to touch them. And you knew God was able. And He didn't. 
Yeah, you're right. And like Mary and Martha, you got a little upset at him. And now, when the preacher says, ain't God faithful, you say, amen, <laughs> except for he didn't, he didn't answer that prayer. You're holding on. Sure. And you can't worship, and you can't do anything for God. I'm not saying you're going to hell. If you're saved, you're saved. Right. But things get in your life that you're holding on to. Thank you, Brother Dan. You, oh, by the way, you're not married, are you? Pastor, you come here. <laughs> you can go sit down. Miss Tori, come here for a second. Now the pastor's going to be with who somebody's holding on to something. Pastor, would you mind giving Miss Tori a hug? You know, you see? You know what it's done, what he's holding on to? It's brought division in his home and his marriage. You can't go pick up your little boy back there. Right. You know why? Because you're holding on to this. And there's a lot of homes tonight. They're having marriage issues and they're having trouble with their kids because mom and dad is holding on to something. Right. Thank you. Amen. What are you holding on to tonight? What are you holding on to? Is it worth considering? Is it worth your joy? Is it worth, is it worth what you're missing out on? Preacher, you just don't know my situation. I don't. But I do know if it's hindering your walk with God, it's not right. Right. Amen, preacher. Now, I'm going to give the invitation. And I know how Baptists are because I are one. I ain't going to go down to that altar. If I go down that altar, everybody going to think. I'm holding on to something. Let's go and let the cat out of the bag. We all probably got something we holding on to. Amen. I told him last night the perfect invitation song would be Let It Go from Frozen. <laughs> We're not going to say. But you know what? As goofy as that is, there's some people, they just need to let some things go. Right. Amen. And put them away. By the way, because they didn't, Judges 2. The next generation turned idolatry. Right. Yes, sir. It's going to harm your prodigy. Sure. Harm the next generation. What are you holding on to tonight? Let's stand. I appreciate your attention. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. <laughs>